Convicting, isn't it? Easy to take things for granted in our lives. Very great blessings as you gather around this week with your family and your loved ones. You realize that there are three families here at Northside this week who will have one less person at the table. And you'll complain because of your uncle who's always criticizing or your aunt who's always staying way past the time it's normally welcome or the cousins who show up way too early or the food that's way too fattening. You'll take those things for granted, but it's not just the big things. I mean, it's worse than that. It's all the way to... The little things. And um, as we are in this series called Thankful, I want us to help try to recenter our lives, our spirits, and our hearts on gratitude. You see, for the disciple, our attitude should overflow with gratitude. Gratitude should be the hub of the wheel. And yet, even we as disciples can get into a thing where we take where we take the blessings for granted. This series is about helping us get recentered so that we can understand just how much we've been blessed. And to do that, today I want to talk to you specifically about lepers. Now, lepers are found in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament alike. Um, There are several places where we can understand that they have an impact on the story. 
I want to start by telling you a, a non-biblical story, or at least referencing to it. It's a book called In the Sanctuary of Outcasts. Uh, the author, Neil White, is a, basically goes to prison for check, forging checks and, and some other things. And he ends up there. And this prison shares the spots with one of the last remaining leper colonies in the United States. His story is about what he learned from these outcasts, from the people who had been forgotten by the world. See, I didn't even know a leper colony existed in the United States. Now, as of today, right now, it's already been closed. But at the time of the story, he didn't know it either. And, and he was scared to death to think of spending his prison term confined with these lepers. It's a fascinating story about understanding... Sometimes some of the greatest lessons can be taught to us by people who uh, do not share our story. The Bible, as we've said, speaks a great deal about lepers. Uh, we've heard about those stories from the Old Testament to the New. Um, in the Old Testament, you can read Numbers chapter 5. If you want to continue reading, you go to Leviticus 14 or Deuteronomy chapter 23. And there in those sacred texts of holy writ, God lines out not only what lepers should do and how they should do it, but how the, they were to interact or more precisely not interact with the community there in Israel. You see, leprosy is an infectious skin disease. It's actually a nerve disease. What causes it has a great deal to do with uh, losing feeling in the appendages and so what, what becomes a cut is never noticed and it gets infected and it becomes uh, basically dead and numb, unfeeling. But at the time that those chapters were written, they didn't know those things. And so God said, here's what you need to do to keep from being infected and to keep things from getting worse. Uh, it's fascinating, but that's not what I want to talk about today. Jesus interacted with lepers uh, Quite often, we're going to talk about one of those stories today. Uh, we could look at those interactions and say that you and I are like spiritual lepers. Uh, what we, what lepers look like outwardly, is spiritually, is what we look like. What our sin does to us, and and how it be- makes us not an outcast of the world, but an outcast of heaven. That's a great sermon in and of itself, but that's not what I want to talk about today either. What I want to talk about today is a story found in Luke chapter 17. As Jesus dealt with lepers, Luke chapter 17 tells the story of Jesus interacting with ten lepers and how they interacted with Jesus. And there's just something about this story that is particularly troubling to me. And so that's what I do want to talk about this morning, if you're turning in your Bibles, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 17, uh, starting about verse 11. If you don't know where that is, you grab a pew Bible and turn to page 1037. Turn there and follow along or scroll along or however you're uh, following along this morning in the story. And I'm going to read to you uh, from Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. Up on the screen will be the ESV version. On his way to Jerusalem, he was pressing along between Samaria and Galilee. 
And so as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voice saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When they saw him, when they saw him, he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and praising God with a loud voice, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet and gave them, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to our God except this foreigner? And he said to him, go, rise and go your, faith, your way. Your faith has made you well. The thing that troubles me about these ten men who, by every measure, had suffered. I mean, they had suffered physically, the pain, the agony, just the uh, infections that they bore, and, and the way in which that, that gradually began to grow and increase throughout their bodies was no doubt unbearable. The relational way, the, the psychological torment of not just having a physical disease, but going to the priest, him pronouncing it, and saying to you, you're going to have to go outside the camp to live far and away from family and friends and even strangers, to pronounce unclean, unclean, every time someone gets close enough to be a danger, not to you, but you to them, to take on that weight and that burden. I mean, they had suffered so much. But there's something troubling here about the way that the ten lepers react with Jesus. As Mike said earlier, uh, when he summarized the sermon for me, he took this, they, they took exactly what Jesus said to do, and he, they did it. So what exactly is troubling? What exactly is the problem here? You see, the trouble with lepers is this. The, the, the lesson that I get from Luke 17 is that, that lepers tend to be forgetful. They, they tend to forget what has just transpired and how it will affect them for the rest of their lives. And if we're not careful, spiritual lepers that we are, we can do the very same thing. The trouble with lepers is that they forget several things. And we're going to talk about those quickly this morning. First, they forget that they have received Mercy. The first most apparent part of this story in Luke chapter 17 is their cry out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on us. One translation says, have pity on us. As they called out to him, they knew something and Jesus knew something and their disciples knew this fact that Jesus didn't have to cleanse them of their leprosy. Jesus wasn't called to cleanse the lepers. At least not the, the, the kind of the physical nature. He was called to deal with a much, much greater disease. 
So as Jesus went along, it wasn't something he had to do. It wasn't something he planned to do. But he did it because of his mercy and his compassion for them. And this is how you can tell when someone's forgotten how much mercy they've been shown. When they lack mercy themselves. People who are shown mercy, show mercy. You may recognize at Northside that we have a lot of young families. And young families, young children, even babies. And babies are a great blessing to a congregation. But sometimes in a room like this, some people begin to to moan and, and gripe and complain about all the babies. Because, you know, babies are rather selfish. I mean, they, they don't think of anyone but themselves. I know they're cute and all. And so someone will forget what it was like to be a young mom as she gets up in the morning and she's fighting a two-year-old and a four-year-old and she has to make a decision about whether or not she's going to even take them to church. And someone will forget what it was like to be sitting there and you're struggling in the pew and you're, you're spilling Cheerios and crayons everywhere and you're trying to keep them quiet and, and they just won't do it. And, you, and during the service, you get these people. I mean, they, they somehow contort their neck to, to convey judgment to them as if they haven't already put enough judgment on themselves. May I speak to you gently, church? On the church, I think we don't, I think, is children's training hour today? We have all the children in here? At Northside, we love children. Because we believe that Jesus loved children. I think I read that in there somewhere. And part of understanding of loving children is that children are messy. Children are loud. Children do things that are just don't fit in our adult time. But God forgive us if we ever become a church where it's very, very quiet in here. Because I've been to churches like that. I've been to churches where it's a generation too late. And the lights are off in the nursery. And there are no children scattered. Now, I'm not saying we don't need to train them, that we don't, you know, need to help them along, that we don't have a place for that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Children are a blessing, but they're a messy blessing. And we, as a church, need to embrace them, need to embrace their parents, and instead of casting this eye, Go up and offer to them, can I help you? I've been where you are. If you're a grandmother, or or even beyond that, and you remember what it was like to be that young mom, go help her. Go encourage her. Go remind her that bringing those children here matters. Because if they don't bring them here now, you're going to get a quiet church in a generation. And that's not what you want. May we as a church embrace and be merciful to those who are struggling 
And I think we do a good job of this, but I just got to give you the occasional reminder. As I sat this morning there, I mean, we're at the age where our kids are mostly older and mostly well-behaved. Um, that, I, that I look back, oh man, they're going to hate that I call them out. Behind the glass wall. What, what I call the parent penalty box or something, I don't know. <laughs> We do that. Well, years ago when they built this building, they said we want a space for families with young children who are struggling so that they can take their children back there when they're being loud and just can't be controlled. But they want to participate in worship and to try to help them through that. We have attended nurseries because we want children to bring their babies so that they can experience growing up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we do that above and beyond everything else because we're a merciful people. And we show mercy to people who are struggling. So if you're here this morning and you've got young children, I want to tell you, keep it up. Because we're a church who loves children and loves young families. And we want to show mercy through this time and help you so that those kids someday bring their kids. Second Peter, I'm sorry, First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Turn there. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Peter writes this. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I hope you appreciate that. I hope that the the, the lepers, who apparently nine of them forgot forgot that Jesus had shown them a special kind of mercy that he didn't have to, but he did because he was good. As we as people, as followers of the Christ, may we understand that at one time we were not shown mercy, but because of Jesus we have been shown mercy. Now we have the responsibility to act like it. Please, oh please, Do not be harsh and unkind and cruel and unmerciful and say you go to Northside. And say you're a follower of Jesus. Merciful people show mercy. Second, merciful lepers, rather, forget that they have been cleansed. Here, too, Jesus didn't have to wash. He didn't have to clean any of us. In fact, what he told the lepers was, go show yourself to the priests. Why? They were already clean. He was saying, go and show yourself to the priests, because that was the process through the law by which a person could be declared clean. He told them to do that which he had already done. But may we not forget, he didn't have to do that. In fact, Jesus didn't have to clean any of us. Jesus didn't have to, he, Jesus could have saved none of us. He could have just saved himself. But if he had saved himself, he couldn't save us too. What a beautiful, wonderful reminder 
that we have been forgiven, that we have been washed, that we have been cleansed. Listen, here's when we struggle as a church. Here's when any people of faith will stumble and fall over pride and hubris when they forget from where they were. This is what Paul read for us this morning. Paul, reading a letter that was written by Paul, ironically. Good call, Paul. First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and following. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Quite a list there. Quite a list where some of us have been. And this is what Paul says is the most important Verse is verse 11. The most important word in verse 11 is this. And that is what some of you were. Now, if you know this, the, the context and the story, Paul's speaking to the church with problems, with issues. And he's saying, listen, you've forgotten who you were through Jesus Christ. You are no longer that. But you were washed You were justified, you were sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. You see, that's where we're going to stumble when we forget how far Jesus has brought us. Now, I didn't say forget how far we brought ourselves. You see, of ourselves, we wouldn't get past that point at all. How far Jesus has brought us. And if we continue in that, we'll refuse to grow. If you find your spiritual life, you know, sort of like this stagnant line that's not going up or down. It's just kind of there. Nothing changes. Nothing's different. No growth. No maturity. Uh, If you look back, think about it. Think for a moment. Think for just a moment. When was the moment that you professed faith in Christ? When you when you said he's the king, he's the Lord, he's the ruler. When when you went down, someone put you under the water to be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When was that day for you? February 21st, 1990 for me. When, When I think about that day, when it all began, I have to ask myself this very important question. How much different am I now than when I began? If you look back on that day, and there's not very much difference, if you're living the same way, if you're acting the same way, if you're talking the same way, if the friendships are the same, if your entertainment's the same, Jesus hasn't changed you, you just got wet. You have to look back and ask yourself, how am I different? How has he changed me? Because let me tell you, Jesus loves you just as you are, but he does not love you enough. He does not, he does, Jesus loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much. To let you stay that way. To stay where you are. I mean, look at this. Peter is writing this. Peter, I'm sorry, Paul is writing this. Peter wrote the verse before. We're thinking about how Jesus changed Peter from a common, ordinary, uneducated fisherman with a swearing problem to the very first preacher of a gospel sermon and the leader in the early church. Paul converted who was not Paul, saw a persecutor of the early church into an advocate and a missionary and a light unto the Gentiles. 
That's what happens when people come into contact with Jesus because they forget how much they've been cleansed of. May we not forget. May we not forget like the nine, but remember like the one. Finally, they forget to be well. I think it's important that we note that in Luke, when Jesus calls or sends the lepers away, and the one comes back, he says this, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. I think there's a lesson for us, because remember, this leper, he was already clean. That it's possible for a person to be clean but not well. It's possible for a person to be clean and not well. What was the difference? What was the difference between that one leper who returned and the nine who didn't? In my estimation, the answer comes down to the word gratitude, appreciation, thankfulness. It's the X factor. And it makes a difference in everything. I mean, not just in your spiritual life. Try to think of any area of your life where gratitude does not make a difference. This week, as you have an opportunity to interact, if your parents are still living, to, to tell them, Mom, Dad, you are a great, great blessing to me. And, and words are hardly enough to... to Thank you for all the financial, physical sacrifice that you've made to raise me. And, and when everyone else has fallen away, I know my parents still have my back. I don't know if you'll tell them that or not. Or maybe if your children are there, you can sit down and tell them what a great, great blessing they are to you. And what they've taught you. Your family are the people who are the closest to you, but especially this week, it's painfully evident how easy it is to take them for granted. How easy it is to let things that need to be said remain unsaid. May we not miss the moment. What about your spouse? It was a simple Stupid, empty laundry basket. And it caused me to actually get teary-eyed as I stood there in the closet. And I realized that for almost 18 years, I've been married to a woman who is graciously and gratefully, and not to say that I haven't ever done laundry, but she's done a way lot more than I have. And I've just taken that for granted. I just throw my dirty laundry in the basket, and it ends up folded somewhere, and I'll put it away. And that doesn't just happen. It happens because I have a wife who loves me in ways that I can't even put into words, and that's my job to put it into words. To take the simple act of grace of doing someone else's dirty laundry for granted. Maybe you'll take this week 
and write your spouse a letter or a text and go back to the days when you used to like, you know, love each other and kind of express it. And just tell your husband or your wife how much they mean to you. And point out the little things like doing the laundry or doing the dishes or picking up your socks for the thousandth time. Gratitude is the X factor because I guarantee you marriages that are full of it will go the distance. Marriages that take each other for granted will fall on hard times. In your job. You know, your boss deals with a lot of issues that you don't have no idea. And I bet most of the time when you talk about your boss, it's about all the things he or she does wrong. Do you ever take the opportunity just to show appreciation to your boss and thank them for doing what they do so that you can have a job? And I'm not saying they're perfect. They're saying, you don't know who I work with. You don't know. Listen, I get all that. I'm just saying gratitude is the X factor. When it comes to people who live productive lives, when it comes to Christians who go the extra mile, gratitude affects everything. It's the lack of it that we notice. You know, take notice of those, even as you're going like out to eat at a restaurant somewhere, it's those, it's those restaurants that say, my pleasure, that make you feel so good right down in here. Gratitude is the X factor in everything. It was the X factor in here, in this story. It's what made Jesus take notice and could say, go and be well. Speaking of remembering, I want to call you to remember our final light of life challenge. This is our connection with Carpenter Place. We've got the Carpenter Place girls and their picture up there, and you'll notice these two uh, boards of envelopes. Uh, just about half of them are gone, and thank you for those of you who have taken some, but the challenge is basically this. We have asked every family at Northside to prayerfully consider an amount to donate toward Carpenter Place. If we get all the envelopes taken, we'll be able to sponsor an extra girl for the entire year. And once you've determined an amount, you've decided and prayed over it and so forth, uh, take an envelope or the envelopes adding up to that amount. So the example I used last week was 200. Let's say the 200 envelope is gone. You can take the 100 and the 50 and the 49 and the 1, because those all add up to 200. You fill those envelopes up, and you send it in the mail to Carpenter Place. And uh, if we get all the envelopes taken, we'll be able to sponsor an extra girl uh, for this year. As we let his light shine through us, it helps to understand how much we've been blessed so that we can bless others in the community. Um, we're all like lepers, I said. So this gives us three simple lessons to remember for today. Number one, may we not forget God's mercy. How much, God, how much mercy God has shown to you and poured into your life. My question is this. If you could visualize a cup and God's pouring into that cup, are you just a vessel that's just on the receiving end? Or is there any overflow of God's mercy in your life? Is there any mercy being shown to your family, people on the job, strangers, and so forth? May we let it overflow in us. Number two, let us remember Jesus' cleansing. Do not forget that you were washed, 
You are sanctified. You are justified. And now God's called you to call others to that same sanctification through Jesus. May we continue to grow in him and through him. And number three, may we let our lives overflow with gratitude. It affects everything we do. If you say thanks, mean it. Whether it's to God or to your spouse or to a family member or to a cashier at the grocery store. Show appreciation in your life and let it pour through your life and your worship. Uh, tonight, we have one extra special thing as, we, as you all put your uh, handouts away. I want to call you and rem- remind you to a very special thing we're doing tonight for evening worship. Um, if you don't know, Northside is an intergenerational church. And we like to say intentionally intergenerational. And what that very simply means is we believe that the youth group section matters just as much as every other part of the church. And we want to integrate them into all areas of the, the church. Uh, and you'll see them serving communion. You'll see them uh, reading scripture and so forth. Tonight, for evening worship at 6 o'clock, uh, they, we have a worship that will be entirely conducted by our young men in the youth group. And it's a wonderful opportunity to see them, to know them, and to encourage them. And so I hope that you will be here tonight for a part of that. Please join us. Um, I mentioned earlier about beginning. What, what did I say? It's next week. I apologize. Apologize. Go ahead and show up tonight and be surprised. All the teens are like, what? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I'm so glad you're such a merciful audience. I appreciate you. Uh, You have a preacher who needs lots of it. And the truth is, we all need lots of it. Don't we? So, this morning, if you're a person who realizes how much you need God's mercy, I don't want you to just sit there and say, I feel terrible for all these things I've done. I never want to come back to church because I've done all these terrible things. No. I want you to come forward this morning and I want you to receive the, the mercy, the greatest, deepest, most wonderful mercy that you'll ever receive is the mercy through Jesus Christ. And you can receive that today. You can put your faith in him. You can, we'll help you with the very first step of being immersed into his beautiful body for the forgiveness of sins. And then we want to help you to grow in mercy and to show mercy and to let it overflow This morning, church, we are called not to be like the nine, but to be like the one who not only was cleansed, but remembered to tell his father, thank you. As we stand and sing this song, I pray that gratitude will overflow in your words. And it's not just a song you'll sing, but a lifestyle you'll live. If you have a need for mercy, if you have a need for prayers and encouragement, whatever way we can help, please come as together we stand and sing.